Welcome into episode 15 of the Godly Young Men Podcast. We thank you very much for sticking with us through 15 episodes. And if you're a new viewer, hey, be sure and check out some of the older ones that we've done. We were talking before we started, we've gone, we've covered a wide range of topics, a wide variety of things that we feel like it's important for godly young men to know. Last week, we looked at one that was a bit more on the lighthearted side, you might say, maybe less serious. We talked about why it matters that you should care about your appearance and and why that's important for a godly young man to care about. Again, not the most serious of, not the most important, I should say, of topics, but this week, what we're going to be discussing is rather serious. It's it's something that, listen, it's commanded by God. We're talking about evangelism. Uh, for this particular week, and it's one of those things that this is this is something that every person who is a member of the church should be able and should be willing to to do to evangelize. Um, this is not just specifically for godly young men, right. but let's face it: who should the leaders of the church be? Should be men, right? Actually, right. you know that that's the way God set it up. And so, if we're tr- if we're striving to be godly young men, this is one of those things that we should have nailed down, so to yeah. speak. This should be one of those things that. Godly young men step up and take care of, and we're going to preface this with something that will be fully vulnerable here. This is not our strong suit. I don't don't want to speak for you. I'll I'll let you comment on it in just a second. It's certainly not my strong suit um, when we're talking about personal evangelism. It's one of those things. I've been on mission trips before, um, obviously done some personal evangelism, but we are by no means the experts. So when we have this episode, don't think that we're the experts. This is an area that we want to grow in as well, but there are some things that uh, some questions we're going to ask, some things we're going to look at as far as obstacles to evangelism that we hope will be a benefit will be a benefit to you, the listener. But Joe, I want to ask you, and maybe you, if you want to comment on the fact that we're not experts, because again, I kind of spoke for you there. No, not at all, not at all. Uh, but I, I truly am not either. So. I was going to ask you, why is this so important? Why are we devoting a full episode to evangelism? Why does evangelism matter so much? I mean, first off, Jesus commanded it, right? Just yeah. right out the gate. Uh, I think we can go with Jesus commanded it. And a lot, there's debate on whether... You know Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty, which is the Great Commission. There's debate on whether that is to just his apostles, just his disciples, or to us, uh, to to all Christians. And I happen to take it to be to all Christians. I think the entire book of Matthew, yes, it's written to a Jewish audience, and there's things like that. But I think Jesus is speaking about the idea of Christianity being pushed into the world. Well, that still needs to happen today, right? We still right. want people to come to Christ, and it's still important. And so, first and foremost. Christ commanded for this to happen, and I think there's a reason. I think as he's, you know, he goes to the cross and he dies, he's resurrected, and what ought to happen after his resurrection? People need to know. Yeah. That's incredible. Like, this is this is literally a first in history, in human history, for someone to die and raise themselves up from the dead. That's uh, not a, just something you keep to yourself. Yeah, exactly. And, like, know. we need to go tell everybody yeah. <laughs> what just happened. And, yeah, so that's on the heels of that. Is Before his ascension, he's, he's saying that. So first and foremost, I think we're commanded by Jesus himself, and that puts a level of importance on it just about above anything else. Yeah, the other thing that I would add, too, is that there is a kind of a really a cyclical, a cycle type of aspect, a disciple-making aspect to Christianity that is really different than every single other what you might call religion. A lot, a lot of religions out there are, I shouldn't say a lot, several religions out there are more of the hey, this is for a select number of followers. You guys keep this, raise your families that way, but not so much going out and and taking over. Obviously, you got Islam, which is very much about conquering and and not not necessarily coercing people to to be Islamic, but more so forcing them to, right? right? That's certainly not how Christianity is. However, 
very you read the New Testament and you see there is a disciple making aspect of this, a cycle to this that hey, you raise your families to do this, but then also you reach out to others, you spread yeah. this good news. I mean, that's the entire book of Acts. It is a truly a faith that was designed around this idea of taking it to others and, and having it spread, turning the world upside down. We read about in Acts seventeen. No that makes Christianity special. Well, Second Timothy two two. Uh, is, yep. is one that my mind goes to because it's Paul telling Timothy to entrust what he's learned, what he's been entrusted with, to other men, faithful men, who will then be able to pass down to others. So there's four generations yes. represented in one verse, Paul to Timothy to others to others. And it shows the cyclical aspect that you're speaking of, like this is intended to be done continually and, and that it's not just, hey, Timothy, you need to give it to others as I've given it to you. Then we could say, well, good for Timothy. That's what right. he did. No, they need to be able to do it. Well, that's us. Like we are that fourth generation kind of of the others have, have passed well, it down. And think about it where it started before that, I guess technically not before Paul. Paul got it from Jesus. But Jesus started, then he gave it to his apostles and his apostles to everybody else. Right. And that's that's continued. It hasn't stopped. And perhaps one of the strongest uh, cases for evangelism is how seriously the early church took it. Yeah. Think about the apostles. These guys are getting martyred. I mean, church history has them all the way into England, has them all the way into India, potentially, and or even brutal, China. Brutal ways to die, too. They weren't brutal just left ways. in prison cells. That's right. I mean, the beheaded is probably the, the nicest, the cleanest way right. that they died. Peter there's crucified horrible. upside down, as, yeah. well, as tradition tells right, us. Right, right. And, and so there's tradition that John, though he died of old age, was uh, boiled in a vat of, yeah. of boiling oil. We don't know, you know. Right. Like, it's tradition. Church tradition kind of states that. And so... But they took being they, remaining faithful unto death to a whole other level. Than yes, the way they did. But yeah. they took evangelism to a whole other yes. level. And they recognized this is what the world needs. And when we understand... And so to your point of, like, why does evangelism matter? Why wouldn't it matter? This right. is what the world needs. Especially now, the world is crazy. There's so much with postmodernism and everything else and the trans movement and, and such. Just unrest. Yeah. Unrest and, and no peace. And what we need is the gospel more than anything. The other thing that I would say too, and this is something I have harped on with young people quite a bit, is that, hey, if you're going to be a part of the church, you have a responsibility to carry out the duties of the church. I think no, so yeah. often yep. Yep. young young people, young men can, can think, well, I'm a part of the youth group. I'm kind of in the high school class. And so the big league, big boy church stuff yep. and evangelism falls into that. That's got to wait till later. And and to, to their defense, to y'all's defense, if that's some, something that maybe you kind of inherently believe, the church is kind of structured and set up that way in a lot of places. Like, hey, you guys in the Little League, stay down there, wait yeah. for your time. We'll call you up when we need you. That's that's not how – that's not the way I read the New Testament. Obviously, there are different levels of spiritual maturity. There are different levels of spiritual authority. But if you are a baptized believer, if you're a part of the church, you don't really get a free pass on evangelism until you hit 21 or until right. you graduate college. It's something that – you have a responsibility to carry out the Great Commission as well. And so that's something that I think young, specifically young men, since that's who we're talking to here, you need to understand that. And you need to more than understand that. You need to actually go out and practice it. We're talking about Timothy with with Paul giving this to Timothy. He's a young man. We know he's a young man. Let no one look down on your youthfulness. First Timothy 4.12. 4, 4, 12, 12, yeah. right? When that's the case, when he's a young man, he doesn't get to slide. He doesn't get to just you know rest on the, hey, I'm in the youth group. I don't have to take this seriously just yet. Like He's giving Timothy some seriously difficult commands. Part of that is to make sure that you're shoring up a congregation, but that you're giving it and passing it down to others. So why does evangelism matter? That's, that's a question you have to ask yourself. If you can't answer that with an adequate why it matters, yeah. you're never going to do it. The why has to be stronger than anything else. If it's like, well, it's a it's a good thing to do. There's as we're going to get into, and I want to I want to transition, but as sure. we're going to get into, there are some serious obstacles. We'll get to toward the end, serious obstacles that we as men overcome naturally. But yeah. you know that's something we certainly are looking to do. 
But if again, the why isn't strong enough, all of these obstacles will easily plow right through any, any cheap reason. There has to be a deeper reason. It's because the world needs us. The world needs, and Christ asked us specifically to go do this. Paul has given us, so all of these things. But And if, if men, I'll, I'll say real quick, and then I'll let you transition sure. this. If men are not stepping up to do this, if godly young men are the ones that are kind of shrinking back going, ah, I'll wait until I'm older. Right. Man, that's a dark future for the church. Well, if, if that's the potential leaders that are the ones going, ah, no thanks. Right. Women naturally are more talkative, so they're, they're better at— We'll let them handle it, yeah. No, 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 no. This is a big part of being a man is being willing to take the faith and go give to others. But I do want to, that actually is kind of what's going to get us in our next point. And I want to ask you, what do we mean by evangelism? Because sure. we can talk about, is this just talking about Jesus in general? Is this being able to take somebody from A to Z in the plan of salvation? I mean, what do we mean by evangelism? Well, I think it's kind of natural when we hear that word evangelism to think mission trips or to think door knocking campaigns or to think, you know, fill in the blank gospel meetings, whatever it is. And don't mishear us. Those things are great. Those things are incredibly important. We've both been on mission trips and been on one together. Um, We've door knocked a lot. We've door knocked. We have gone to gospel meetings. All these things that are maybe more, I don't know, uh, program-ish, you might say. Like it's more of an organized thing. Those are great. Be involved in those. Goodness knows, if you have the chance to be involved in a mission trip, do it. It's it's For such sure. an eye-opening experience. We've actually got some stuff we're going to talk about later with that. But that's not really what we're talking about with this episode. We're talking about more of the personal evangelism side. And I really like the way you put it when we were putting this outline together. So I'm actually going to hand it back to you. When we when we ask this question, what do we mean? In addition to the mission trips and the door knocking, how did you phrase it? I thought it was really good. Yeah, I think... I'm trying to remember exactly how I phrase it, but it really boils down to, are you willing and ready to tell other people about what Christ has done in your life? And why it matters to you. And why it matters to you. Yeah. We look at it and we can psych ourselves out because maybe we're not going on the mission trip. Maybe we don't, we, maybe we haven't memorized a thousand verses and adults do this as well as we were talking off camera. Yeah. Like adults really get into it. I just don't know enough. I don't know enough. And I need to study to show myself approved, right? Which is Timothy as well. But when you know, I'll basically I'll know when I've arrived, when I've gotten there. Yeah. No. Conveniently, well, that's usually way later in life. That's exactly <laughs> it. And at which point, you're just your friends are either Christian or not Christian. You just don't, you know, don't right. end up evangelizing much. This is a matter of can you tell other people why Christ matters in yep. your life? Why did you choose Him? And you say, well, I grew up in the church. I mean, it's it's my family. What does it mean to your family? Right. It's got to go deeper. Than it's got to go deeper than just this is what my family did. What does it mean to your family? Why? You have to have a personal relationship with Christ to evangelize, yep. and I think that has to come through because if it's just, well, this is what my parents do, well, this is my parents' faith, you're never going to tell people about that. And I'll say there's a reason why we've waited to do this one. So episode three, we did talk, we talked about stepping up in your relationship with God. Right. Episode, I'm not going to remember the number, 11 maybe, what we did, how to study your Bible. Mm, um, okay. 10 or 11, yep, somewhere one of those. there. And, and so to me, before you can really get to the evangelism part, those two things do kind of need to be shored up. They need to be in place. I don't think young people need to be going out and talking to their friends about God if they have a terrible relationship with God or, or a non-existent one, if they right. don't know how to study their Bible. Right. You should probably shore those things up first. But once you do, th- this is something that you need to be able to tell people, like you said, not just why Christ matters, but why you're a Christian in the first place. Why does your faith matter to you? Right. And one of the things that I'll say that I'm really big on for, for young men and young people, I guess especially, is that if you're going to evangelize and if you're going to be effective in evangelism, what should that? what does that mean about your life? It ought to look very different than the world. I've said before, if you hold up the the life of a non-Christian, somebody who's just out in the world, maybe one of your friends at school, and then you hold up your life and you look at the activities, their Mm -hmm. entertainment choices, the way they speak, the way they dress, 
if you can't tell any difference between those two, you're not going to be effective at all. What are you calling them to? Exactly, because they're going to look at you and go, okay, we're basically the same. Yeah, you're no better than The me. only difference is you don't sleep in on Sunday mornings. I do. No thanks. Right. So your life has got to look different. And so that maybe that's the first step. That would be the first thing I mentioned right. is, hey, make sure that your life looks different. Make sure, like you said, there's a reason for you to go to your friend or go to that person and say, no, this life's better. Jesus yeah. is better. Here's why. Yeah, practice what you preach. Yeah. And I think there's the old, it was an early church father, I think, that said, um, man, I'm going to butcher the quote pretty much. <laughs> I, I'm saying it on the spot. We don't have it in the outline, but like preach always uh, when necessary, use words. Nice. And, like and the idea is like, you know, well, man, words it, are I, I got to be honest, if you would have claimed that as your own, I would have been like, cool, man, Joe, that's great. I never would have known that that was I'm, a church father. I'm pretty smart. I'm a church father. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, and I butchered the quote. So somebody's going to be like, what is he saying? Uh, but the idea is, Make sure you are living it to your point, and it is necessary to use words. Yeah. That, that too. We can't just, because I also got into this, where it's, I'll live for Christ, and people see that, and, and then they'll ask questions or whatever else. They don't always do that. Sometimes it worked, but Wait. they don't always do it. So we got to be willing to do both, but to your point, man, it's really bad if I go to preach somebody to, you know, Christ to somebody, and they go, you? That's not good. Well, we talk about, and I've heard this before in classes or uh, you know discussions about evangelism. What what are the ways to evangelize? Well, be a good example. It, that's great, but if right. you stop, and that's where a lot of people want to stop because guess what? It, it involves no talking. It involves yep. no awkwardness. No uncomfortable. Don't get us wrong. You need to be a good example, but that's not the only thing point, that evangelism is. It starts is. there. Yes, it, it starts there. there. That's why it's such a valuable point. What you said, like it starts there. If your life is in shambles, and what we mean by that is sin is rampant. And looking you, at porn. You're looking at you porn, and, and you know you just don't really care about things, and you don't have a good relationship with God. Don't you study s- your Bible, yeah. Right, there's no prayer life. And then you're going to go, you're not going to evangelize first off. And if you do, and everybody knows this about you, they know that you're the, you're the player in the locker room type of thing that's always hitting up girls and whatnot. Consider your example. Yeah. Consider who you are. So I think that's a, a very valuable point. When you have that relationship with them, when you're growing in that relationship— the next part of evangelism is just being willing to tell people about that. Just being willing to say, this is my relationship with Christ. Here's why it matters. Here's what I was studying in the scriptures. Um, I was telling you, we have a guy in the group that had set the goal. He's going to study a proverb, just a proverb every day, and really meditate on it. And he wanted to tell one person a week about either Christ or about the proverb that, he was, that he's been studying, a proverb he's been studying. And I thought it was such a great goal. He was hitting the goal. He's doing really, really well. That's super cool, yeah. But... What a great idea to just keep it simple. I want to tell somebody about what Christ has done in my life or what I've been studying recently, and it keeps things fresh, too. Well, and if you're—and I want to let you get into the obstacles here in just a second because that's sure. what we want to spend the most of our time on is, hey, what are the obstacles to this for a lot of people and how we overcome that? But one of the things I just thought of is also not on the outline. If your life looks different enough to those that are around you, I'm thinking mainly of those who go to school. And sure. Maybe you work with people who are not faith-based or not Christians as a young person. If your life looks different enough, that's going to open up conversations. I can Very promise true. you that. I remember back when I worked at, with Amazon, um, there was cussing all around me. People use language, you know, yeah. worse than our movies type of thing. And I didn't, I didn't use those words, of course. I, I never did, and it was so common around me that I had multiple people ask me, just, just straight up, "Well, you don't ever cuss. Why is that?" It's stuff like that that if you look different enough, and you talk different enough, you dress different enough, yep. you behave differently. People are going to look at you, yeah, you, they might look at you as weird, they might look at you as odd, but ultimately they're going to wonder, why is he different? Why is why is that young man not going with the crowd as far as this goes? And it is going to maybe open up conversations that you don't even have to initiate. Somebody else is going to yep. initiate them, and there you go. Yep. The door's wide open for you to talk about 
why you're different, that's why your faith matters. That's such a good point. We did the same thing in hockey. We just didn't cuss, and, and we actually got to the point where people would say, hey, don't cuss around Joe. Because no, they he do. Doesn't. Yeah. He, he doesn't do that. And I'll tell you a quick story, again, not on the outline, but hey, while we're talking about it, this is the coolest thing. We're in a study. My brother and I are in a study. You've, you've joined as well. Yeah. Um, with an old hockey buddy of mine. We go back a ways, and he's always been more on the very interested in religion and Christianity and things like that. And we've had a few discussions in the past. Well, he hits me up out of the blue. This is probably about a year ago. He hits me up out of the blue and just says, hey, I remember, you know, back back then that you guys always, you never missed, um, you or you never missed church. You'd always skip, like, even championship games. You prioritize church, right? We prioritize church. Um, you didn't cuss. You didn't do all these things. And that really stood out to me. That really affected me. And I'm really interested in this, you know, in more of the Christianity things. I've been asking a lot of questions. Would you study? So we're in a, in a Bible study with a hockey buddy that, what, this happened, I mean, I know. A I've decade ago, him, more. Yeah, 15 yeah. years ago. So you never really do know when it was an example. I, I didn't say, to that point, it was an example. Right, it was the example. So it does, we're not saying it doesn't matter. The example, we're saying it very much matters. However, we want to make sure that we're talking about it and that we are willing and ready to do, as First Peter 3.15 says, and we want to we want to be ready to give a defense for the hope that is within us. Um, that doesn't mean we have to memorize everything. Doesn't mean we have to know everything. But I want to again transition into, as you've uh, briefly spoken on, the mental obstacles to people. They don't want to evangelize. Yeah, and you there's call them excuses too. Yes, exactly, yeah. excuses. And I liked mental obstacles the way you put it because this is all in the mind. Yeah, and yeah. There's physical obstacles like. If you don't have a car, you're going to have a tough time getting places. Right. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the mental obstacles where we psych ourselves out of it before we Bas- ever begin. Well, basically where you might have an opportunity and you choose not to take it. Right. Because of these mental obstacles. Which, I've been there myself. Yeah, same here. Absolutely. Yep. And, and So let's just get into them. One of the, fir- the first one we have on here is that you don't want to offend so You have a fear of offending somebody. Maybe right. it's somebody you're close to. Really good friend. Maybe a cousin. Um, again, somebody you work with, coworker who who you're really close to, and man, you just don't want to offend them, right? Yeah. You just don't want to lose that relationship, and you think, man, if I bring this up, if I bring up their faith, or, or if I bring up my faith, if I bring up the way that they're living, if I bring up religion, it's just gonna really offend right. them, and so I really don't want to lose that relationship, and so you know, I'm just I'm just not gonna bring that up. Listen, that's not a good enough excuse. At the end yeah. of the day, what is more important, your relationship with them on earth, or whether or not you're gonna see them in heaven? It, it, there there is no comparison there. Right. And we don't have to like judge them and say, you're going to hell right now. Right. Ultimately, if they don't repent, yes, they are. And there's a time and place to be that firm in our discussions with them of you're headed on a very serious path and, and a very scary path. And this is what it ends. The ability to just tell them why Christ ought to matter in their lives yeah. and to really get there. We are afraid of offending them. If that offends them, are they people you want to hang? That sounds horrible, but like it truly if you spe- uh, speaking specifically about what Christ has done in your life is going to lose you that friendship, yeah. do you need that friendship? And also, are you really as close as you think? If, right. If that's something that's going to drive a wedge between you, probably not as close as because you Because if Christianity matters that much to you, if I have a friend who's like majorly into something, um, some sport or whatever, let's just pick something weird like cricket. You know, they're majorly <laughs> into cricket. And they want to tell me all about cricket. And I realize there's not the judgment and everything else that goes with it. But at the same time, like, yeah, I'm interested in it because that because, matters to yes. them. If you are showing that Christ matters to you in your life and you bring him up constantly, I was reading this in the Bible the other day, and yeah, I said this prayer and God really came through for me. And all of these different things, are you evangelizing and telling him they're going to help? You are evangelizing. I dropped the air quotes, right? right. For those that are listening, I'm doing the air quotes. <laughs> you, you know, you, you are evangelizing to say, I was praying the other day, God came through for me big. Because you're putting God first, front and center in their relationship and, and first in their minds to say, hey, 
it really matters to Joe. This Christianity thing really matters to Joe. And we're going to use that relationship to be able to talk about what matters to me. So the next one that I would bring up is the, as far as an excuse or mental obstacle is, well, you know, I'm an introvert. I, I don't really, I don't like talking to people and right. some people are just more naturally gifted. And so I'll leave the, the evangelism part to those to the extroverts. extroverts. Right. I mean, I'm, I'm introverted, right? I, that's just not something I do very well. Listen, we have seen this excuse played out. I'm, I'm certainly not an introvert. Um, I wouldn't say you're an introvert either. So either. No. Um, it's one of those things that we're both extroverts. But you think about the people who are introverts. Open conversation, especially with people you don't know very well, is difficult. We're, right. we're not saying it's not, but are you going to get up to, to Judgment Day and, and you know somebody asks you why you didn't evangelize? Well, it's just because I'm introverted. Yeah, sorry. God, you may be an introvert. Yeah, uh, kind of your fault, that's God. That's you made it. We're yeah. not gonna, you're not going to be able to do that. It's, yes, it's probably going to be more difficult for you, but at the same time, look for ways to, to get past that obstacle and get past right. that mental obstacle of introversion, extroversion. This, this, this is probably the least legitimate excuse out of all of these that we have on here. Not that any of them are, but this, this is not one you're going to be able to tell right. God, sorry, God, I'm introverted. So that's, that's all there is to it. Flip it to the other side. You got, you got an extrovert. He says, be still, know that I am God. Well, God, I'm an extrovert. I just like being around people. I can't be I, still. Yeah. I can't be still. I just like, you know, being excited all the time about people. Is that an excuse? No. Right. He says to be still and know that I am God. To rest in his peace and his quietness from time to time. It reminds so That I, can be a challenge for extroverts. It reminds me of Moses back when, you know, he was, God, God I don't speak well enough. Right. And God's like, are you kidding me? I, I, <laughs> I I'm, I'm the one who created you. You think yeah. you can't do this? And so, you know, this is one we don't have to spend a ton of time on. Yep. You know, I think you know yourself better. You know whether you're an extrovert, introvert or an extrovert. And if you are an introvert, sure, it might be a little tougher for you get past that. Right. Don't let that be an obstacle. Get us into the next yeah, one. Yeah, I briefly spoke on this already or, or kind of touched on it a couple times, but that's thinking you have to have an answer to every single potential yes, question. This is a big one. And as we said, adults really struggle with this too. I just, what would I say? If he asked me about XYZ, if he asked me about this obscure verse, what would I even say? And it's such a paralyzing thought to say, my mind is blank. I, I really don't know what I would say. Right. It's okay to say, you know, I don't know. Let's let's study about let's that. Let's look at that together. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing, too, is this this does speak to why you you need to amp up your Bible knowledge. I agree. You, I agree. You don't need to go into everything. Well, you know, I, I know the plan of salvation, so I'm good to go. Right. That's not true. We're not, we're not saying that, you know, that you can just get through just knowing the plan of salvation. But we're also not saying you have to know the in-depth details of every single biblical element to where you can then say, okay, now I can evangelize because I've reached a certain level of Bible knowledge. We don't think that that's true either. Obviously, the way we started out describing this, if you know why Christ matters to you, that's step number one in the in the ability to evangelize it's because you can explain what why you're a Christian. You can explain yeah. the salvation. You can explain why Christ, why the life that Christ offers is different. As far as the other questions that they might have, there is, like you said, there's nothing wrong in saying, I don't have the answer right now. Let's look at that together. Let yeah. me get back to you next week or next time we study. Yeah, that's intimidating for a lot of adults to, to say. And it's intimidating for guys, I think, specifically to be like, look, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have no. the answer. That, that Guys don't like that. Um, but listen, this can't be an excuse either. No, not at all. I, I would also say the younger, kind of moving on to the younger men, next one would be not wanting to be uncool. It, because yeah. it's very difficult as a young guy to go, man, I just don't know that much. But it's also very difficult as a young man to not appear cool. Yep. We don't like saying, I don't know. We don't like being uncool. We don't like... Um, being the guy that's different yep. that, you know, as you step in the room, like, oh yeah, there's Joe. Yeah. He, he does that weird there's a guy Bible that talks stuff. about God all the time. Yeah. yeah. He, this guy hates gays. Yeah. This guy is the one that he doesn't even accept trans. He hasn't people. watched Can Game of Thrones. That? He like... hasn't watched Game of Thrones. I mean, what is this? Uh, seriously? You yeah. know, what year is this guy from? Like 
that can be really difficult. It can be very jarring. It can be stigmatizing. It, it yeah. puts us in this position where we're either having to defend our decisions all the time and nobody wants to be on the defensive all the time or we just get pushed to the outside. Nobody wants to be on the outside. And so the easiest thing to do in order to be cool, in order to be one of the guys, is to just downplay those parts of it. I gotta go along with everything yeah. that everybody else is doing. Yeah. And I mean, we're not, we're not denying that this one is tough, specifically for young for sure. young people. Listen, peer pressure is real. Wanting to fit in is real. Um, adults, it's getting harder too. Yeah, and it's getting it's getting way more difficult. But listen, episode five, we talked about you got to know how to say the hard things, and this is yep. one of those things that, again. I hate to keep bringing it back to this, but you bring it, you get up to judgment day and God asks you why you didn't evangelize. Well, God, I didn't, I, I kind of wanted to be cool. I kind of wanted to fit in. Listen, that answer is not going to fly either. Right. And so we're not denying the reality of, yes, you are going to be looked at differently. Maybe you're might, you might be made fun of. You might be labeled as the uncool guy or the, the uber religious guy or, or whatever. That's okay. You yeah. know, that, that, that's, don't look at that as the end of the world. That actually gets us into the next one where we haven't really gone by number here, but number five, as far as an obstacle and excuse is that. We don't like awkward situations. We don't like uncomfortable situations. And while I think sometimes we overplay the fact that we think oh, if somebody brings up religion that, that, that the person we're bringing it up to is just going to go crazy and just really hate us, that's typically not the case. Right. However, there is no denying that you bring up religion, you bring up something that is typically very close to – hits close to home for people, it might get awkward. It might get uncomfortable. No, no. And Again, this is something adults struggle with as well. We don't like those awkward situations. We don't like the uncomfortable situations, and so we think, ah, not today. Right. Ah, I'll, I'll bring it up next time. Don't don't really have time. I don't want. It. And we just use it as an excuse. This is one that we again we just have to get past these obstacles. I I don't I hate to keep saying that that we just have to get past them, but it is one of those things that it's an excuse that's not going to fly. Once we're aware of it, we have to just say, okay, I am aware of the fact that this can be awkward. What Deal I, with the awkward. What am right. I going to do about it? Right. I, what just not evangelize? I mean, we've already shown why that's important, why that's a necessity for Christians to evangelize. So if it's a necessity, what are we going to do about it? And we do have to pose that question to ourselves. But I would also say, for the next mental obstacle. Um, number six. Yeah. Number six. There's this aversion to being vulnerable with people, being being real with people. That's part of it's the uncool thing, but part yeah. of it's just we want to kind of place this facade of like of who we are. And sometimes the evangelism doesn't fit into the facade. And part of this being or failure to be real, failure to be vulnerable. When I was, you know, I already talked about um, growing up with with hockey, and when I was young. I kind of let the example do the speaking and, you know, everything else. And so I didn't talk that much about it, a little bit, but not a ton. And I really missed an opportunity to evangelize to my friends because I was looking at porn the same way they were. And they're like, that's Christian Joe. Oh, he's, he's way too, you know, he's holy. And we're not like that. Hey, Joe, say a prayer for me when you go to church. And because they had that idea that they really couldn't approach God. Sure. I was so much more holy than them. Man, I was fake as all get out because while they're doing that, I'm struggling with some of the same exact things. But instead of being real and talking about Christ you and how he's, that facade, right? I kept up the facade. I was afraid of the vulnerability. I was afraid of rejection if I was vulnerable. And I felt, well, I need to present for Christ that I am that I'm better, that I don't struggle with those things. And what I did is I made Christ unattainable to them because I wasn't willing to be real and vulnerable. So this can be a real problem. And it's it can be a real problem for guys. Guys, yes. guys like to have it or have the facade that, oh, we got it all figured out, but we got it all together. I can be very guilty of that as well. And so right. this vulnerability that is required, I, I would say it is required to be effective at evangelism. You cannot be effective at evangelism and give off the impression that, man, you just got it all covered. You just right. got it all figured out. Because right. it does present Christ as unattainable. Well, I'll never be that guy. I'll never be as spiritual as he is, so it might as well not even try. Um, I want to go ahead and get us into the last one, though. 
I th- there's a reason I put this one last. I think it is the most serious, and it is yep. one of the ones that can fool us the most as far as why evangelism can wait. And this last one is because we assume that we have endless amount of time. We assume that we'll have another time, that we'll have plenty of time to take care of this, when in reality that's just not the case. Right. Uh, you know, as far as our life is a vapor, we know that already, but you got somebody you're close to, again, a cousin, best friend, whatever, who you look at them and you think, if they died tonight, you know, they're not going to end up where they need to be uh, in the next life. We can fool ourselves into thinking, you know, not today. I'll get it's to awkward it to- today. I'll get to it tomorrow. You know, they're really having a rough week. Maybe, maybe yeah. wait until the opportune time that can get you into real trouble because you're not promised tomorrow. And so the piece of encouragement that I would give to all of our young men that are listening or watching, don't make that assumption. Right. Don't assume that you've got all the time in the right. world because you might not. We're young. We live forever. No, we don't. We don't. And crazy things can happen. And that's why we shore up our relationship with God. We make sure that we're right. But I, I love the way that you phrased it. So where do we go from here? Where do we go from here? These are the seven obstacles, uh, mental obstacles, I think, to evangelism that really can take us out of it. And cause us these to not have hurt us important. in the past, too. We've oh, bought yeah. into these before. Oh, yeah. I, I'm pretty much looking at it. Pretty much every single one <laughs> of these. A I thousand. Think. Yeah, uh, pretty much. Uh, not great, but hey, we're working on it. Again, as you as you talked about at the very beginning, we're not coming from this place on high of, hey, here's how we do everything perfectly, and let right. me tell you what we I'm terrible at evangelism. Like, I'm not where I want to be. Yeah, I talk to other people about Christ. I'll invite them to church. I'm a preacher of congregation, so you'd hope I'd do that occasionally. Right. But this is a struggle for us. So what do we what do? we do? Where do we go from here? First, I would say actually look for opportunities. Like, genuinely look for opportunities. Don't wait for them to just show up, you know, the opportunities to just hit you upside the head. It'll lay right in my lap. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, I'm just waiting for my buddy to ask. I I know that I'm being the example I'm supposed to. And one of these days, he's going to ask about the hope that lies within. You know, he (laughs) He might never ask He might not ask that. So are you going to pursue, actively look for opportunities to be better? And when the doors open, actually walk through it. Right. The other one I would say is identify specific people in your life that you want to talk to about this. Um, there's no denying that you've got, everybody's got people in their life that they're closer to, that they care more about. Yeah. I mean, there's just levels to it. Obviously a family member would be the first, maybe a potential, uh, girlfriend. Maybe it's somebody who, again, you work with, there's all kinds of things. Basketball team. Yeah. yeah people on your, on your team, you go to school with, identify those people. Yeah. Keep it uh, again, specific people, maybe keep it less generic. Not just, I want to evangelize to people. Yes, that's, that's good. Right. But which people? And I think it helps sometimes to have that goal or the, in mind of, I want to talk to this person, not just X amount of people, but this person. But I would say set, set a goal. Yeah, that set would a be a good one as well. Yeah, and I would say keep the goal manageable. Well, I've got 18 people on my list. Start with three. Right, That's yeah. great. That's great. We want as many people on the, pos- on the list as possible. But start with three. Set a goal. I'm going to speak to this person about or these three people about Christ by this day. It's the same way if you if you haven't worked out a ton and you go to the gym, you're not going to bench press 300 pounds right. on the first day, right? You're going to start small. I got an hour gym session where I'm literally working every muscle in my body. Probably not. Yep. Probably not. We want to start where we can actually accomplish it, but it's important that we accomplish it. So set that goal for yourself of I'm going to talk about this or to this specific person at this specific time. The specifics can really help us because there's not a lot of wiggle room. The other thing as far as where do I go from here, get your life right. That's if right. you're listening to this, and we've talked about this before, about how you've got to have a good relationship with God. you got to study your Bible. You've got to make sure that you can be effective at evangelism by looking different than the world. 
Start there if you're somebody who looks at your life and goes, yeah, I don't really look that different. Right. I would start there. But these are things, again, so many different things we could talk about here. Um, but this is important. This is super important. Very much so. So I want to wrap up doing something fun because we'll reference. We've both been on uh, several mission trips, a lot of them together, actually. Yeah. Um, but we've been on a lot of mission trips. And speaking of evangelism, we were trying to think of something fun. We've yeah. gotten to visit. We've been very privileged and blessed to, to visit multiple parts of the world, various states. I think you've been to every state. Yes. Yes. Every state, yep. lucky dog. I'm. I think I'm seven, six or seven away. Um, yours with your dad and and doing a lot of mission work, and you've yeah. done several door knocking campaigns and everything all over the world. So, what is the most memorable? Memorable, rather. What is the most memorable mission trip for you? I think it's. Oh man, there's so many to choose from. For me, it's got to be Jamaica. Back mm-hmm. when I was twelve, I've been in Jamaica two or three times. Um, and for me, Jamaica is the most memorable, not because of the beauty of the island. Everybody thinks Jamaica is like a honeymoon island, and sure, it's got one or two resorts, but Jamaica is a poor country. Mm-hmm. It is very third world. And to me, that was one of the reasons why it was the most memorable is because yep. it was my real first exposure to, oh, there actually are people that don't have a roof over their head. Oh, there actually are people that are kind of struggling to figure out where their yep. next meal is going to be. As a 12-year-old living in the United States of America, that had never really crossed my mind because I'd always been well taken care of. So, yes, it's very eye-opening. So I'd say for that reason, but also there was, a, you know, I, throughout the week, that particular week, I'd gotten more comfortable sitting in studies, listening to studies with people literally on their uh, y- uh, on their yard or in their yard, on their front porch, whatever it was. And so by the end of the week, I was leading a Bible study here and there with another guy. That's incredible. And I remember that very vividly as, again, a 10, 12-year-old who had a real solid foundation in his faith actually getting to share the gospel with somebody who was genuinely curious about it but yeah. had never gone to church or anything like that. So that was super memorable. Again, yeah. I've been to – I don't know what you're – I'll ask you the same. I've been to Scotland, Ireland. That was pretty cool. I've been to a few other places that as far as the beauty of the place was really cool. But as far as most memorable mission trip, got to be Jamaica for those nice. reasons. But how about you? I mean, I got my wife on, on the Scotland, I Ireland that mission trip say that. in 2015. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty memorable. Um, but from a mission standpoint, I, I taught a class and like – Helped with a VBS or something. I mean, I did like <laughs> you nothing the, on the that. You weren't the busiest was, on that. I was yeah. not the busiest on the trip. I mean, I was I was busy getting to know my wife, but um, no, it was a real mission trip. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I was on a mission for sure. But um, I would say Ghana, Ghana, that's and what I was thinking, yeah, West yeah. Africa. Uh, I've been twice, and I went back in 2013 and 14. I cannot believe it's been a decade. Um, I'm old, but I just gotten out of Bear Valley, and I think it was um, the year before. And I was in Amridge and, and just working, and I got invited by um, a buddy from Bear Valley who was actually running the school over there, a uh, guy I had graduated with, and just such a fantastic opportunity yeah. because it was the first time I travel, traveled internationally without my family, without anybody. So you show up in Germany and, you know, like, I don't speak their language. <laughs> I don't know where I'm going. It had I to be intimidating. Don't it was very yeah. intimidating. And then you show up in Ghana and just hope, and he, you know, Tony, the guy I was with, almost left the airport because the bags got there so late that it was like two hours later. And he's like, I was about 10 minutes from leaving and I would have been in Ghana by all alone by, a, by myself. However old you were. Yeah. yeah. And so what was it? 19, 18, 19 years old. Um, very memorable. And I remember it was an eight hour drive all the way up North. And just to see the, the poor, yeah. like, Whoa, this is the culture shock. They talk about, you cannot understand what it's like. And so we went there and I taught in the uh, Bible college there a couple couple weeks and just a great experience getting to work with the guys there getting to do some mission work and so it was memorable for a number of reasons um what i would encourage our our watchers our listeners if you have an opportunity to go on a mission trip it doesn't have to be down to mexico or you know to to africa or wherever jamaica wherever it is it's great if it is 
But if you have an opportunity to go on any mission trip, um, the short-term missions, I have mixed feelings about it, but I will say it can be very eye-opening to young yeah. men just to see how other people live. Even if it's to, I've been to on a mission trip to, to Arizona, to the um, Kayenta, Arizona, and just getting to see how the Native Americans live. And it's a different world. And, and so you learn how to talk to different people, and it can be a very eye-opening and just enlightening experience. Well, and even if you're not in a position anytime soon to be able to go on, I agree right. 100%, but even if you're not, consider what we've talked about with this. Look for people in your own life, in your day-to-day uh, workplace or school or whatever that you interact with on a weekly basis. Man, look for those opportunities. Your next Take door, those opportunities. Your next door neighbor needs the gospel just as much as the guy in yeah, Ghana. Absolutely. There's plenty of lost people over here in the United States, right. trust me. And so one of the things I'll ask as we wrap up, comment. Uh, we always like to push the comments. And so we've covered a few obstacles. Maybe we've left one out, but comment maybe what's your been your biggest struggle. If mm. you're a godly young man uh, or an aspiring godly young man and you're wanting to be better at evangelism, what's held you back? What has been the thing that maybe, uh, again, maybe that we didn't cover or something that we did cover that has just really held you back from evangelism? Because, man, with every single one of these obstacles, we got to get past them. Yeah. We got to realize right. the seriousness of this. And so, yeah, I think we're going to wrap there. This has been a, a, a productive episode. Again, evangelism is super important, and it's something that you, you don't get to wait until you're 25 and say, all right, now I'm going to start. Right. Start now if you're a baptized believer. And so, unless you got anything else nope. to add, we'll wrap there. This has been episode 15. Join us next week for episode 16 of the Godly Young Men podcast.